Good morning. My name is John Ziegler, and I have the amazing privilege of being the pastor here at Church of the Incarnation. And we have been going uh, through the book of Exodus on a series we're calling God's Liberation People. This morning, we're in Exodus 20, and we're going to be reflecting on the story of when God gives his people the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are God's ten best ways to live. The Ten Commandments are how to live in the world as a liberation people. The Ten Commandments are how a people that has been set free by God can live in the world as free people. Now, we've got some kids with us for the sermon this morning. Welcome, kids. Glad to have you guys in the service with us. Last Sunday for the sermon, we had some pets with us in the service. And this week, we've got our kids with us. There's going to be no comparison of who was better behaved, okay? That wouldn't be fair. You guys have some really well-behaved dogs, all right? I was, it, was, it was an amazing church. Not only are the people great, the dogs are just like... They could sit through a decent sermon. It's pretty good. I was impressed. Um, but kids, seriously, we're super glad to have you with us uh, this morning. I got a question for you. Who likes freedom? You guys like freedom? All right, here's the second question. Who likes to follow rules? You guys like to follow rules? Who likes the rules? I got to be honest with you. I don't like to follow all of them. I'm not always so good at it. And I think often we think about freedom as the opposite of following rules. Somebody telling me what I have to do. But I want to share a little secret with you this morning. It's going to be kind of surprising that it turns out in the Bible, following God's rules is not the opposite of freedom. It's actually the same thing. God's freedom is following God's rules. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So let's talk about the story. Do you guys remember what happened when God's people were living in Egypt? What happened to them? Do you remember? You can shout it out. They were slaves, exactly. They became slaves. God's people were enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt. And so there was this big dispute between Pharaoh and the God of Israel. And this was the dispute. Whose people are these people? And so God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But you know what Pharaoh said? Pharaoh said, I don't know who your God is. I don't know what you're talking about. These are my people. And so Pharaoh thought the Israelites belonged to him. He wanted to be their master. And then God thought they belonged to him. And he said, I am their rightful master. And so they had to settle the question. Do you guys remember what happened? How God settled this question? He sent something. What did he send? 
the angel of death. Well, Ella, that's totally how it ends, isn't it? <laughs> the angel of death was the last plague in the 10 plagues that he sent on them, right? And it wasn't until that angel of death that Pharaoh finally relented and said, okay, you can take them. And as Moses was leading the people out, they, they were marching along, and then all of a sudden, Pharaoh changed his mind and said, hey, what did I do? We're not going to have our slaves anymore. And so he took his army, and he chased them down, and then all of a sudden, God's people found themselves trapped at the Red Sea. They were cornered, and there was nowhere to go. Pharaoh's army was way bigger and way more powerful, and there was nothing that they can do. They were totally powerless to help themselves. And then God did what, what he, and then God did for his people what they could have never done for himself. He parted the Red Sea. And God's people walked along on dry land to safety. And as Pharaoh and his army and all of his chariots chased them down, what happened? God let the water go back to its normal position and he destroyed the enemies of Israel. Friends, this was God's major act of salvation in the Old Testament. By his grace, so his free gift, he freed Israel from slavery and death and led her into a land that he had prepared for her. And so I want to ask you a wondering question, and I want you to wonder about it for a moment. I wonder how it must have felt to be free after being a slave for so many years. I wonder how it must have felt to have a really mean king like Pharaoh always telling you what to do and then suddenly you don't have to worry about Pharaoh anymore. So as Israel escapes, they cross the Red Sea, they're wandering in the desert, and then suddenly we get to the part where we are today in Exodus 19 and Exodus 20. God tells Moses, the leader of God's people, he says, I want you to gather all the people at Mount Sinai. So there's this big mountain in the middle of the desert, and he says, I want you to gather them over to the mountain. I want to tell them something, something really important. And then the mountain turns really scary. So there's lightning and there's thunder and there's all kinds of smoke and they're hearing a blast that sounds like a really loud trumpet and the people for a really good reason are getting really scared. And so it's like God's about to say, hey, I'm about to do something really, really big. I'm about to say something really, really important. And so he gets their attention. And then God speaks in such a loud voice that all the people can hear him at once. And as far as I know, this has never happened in the Bible before and never happens ever again. Well, what does God say? This is what God says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. And then 
he gives them the 10 commandments. Or we could say his 10 best ways to live. Do you guys remember the 10 commandments? Do you remember what they are? Let me read them for you. That's good. I think most of us don't, if we're honest. At least not in order. We can get them if we tried, but probably not in order. The first one is this. Don't serve other gods. God says, I'm your God. Don't serve any other God. And then number two is this. Do not make idols to worship. Don't serve fake gods like money or fame or sex or power or anything else like that. And then the third one is, be serious when you say my name. Don't take my name in vain. Don't use it in a silly way or for some curse or something. And then number four is this, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This is talking about God's special day of rest and worship. And then number five is, y'all listening? Honor your father and your mother. And you'll live a long time in the land. Six, do not murder. Seven, do not commit adultery. Be faithful to your spouse. Eight, do not steal. Nine, do not lie about your neighbor. Ten, Do not even want what others have. So do not lust after your neighbor's house or your neighbor's spouse or your neighbor's property. And basically for the rest of the sermon, I'd like to answer three questions. One question is this. If God set his people to be free, why does God want to give them rules? Why do these free people that are so glad to finally be free and feel so good about it need rules? And then two, I want to ask the question, does following these rules make God love us? And then three, I want to answer, what happens if we don't follow the rules? All right, first question. If God set his people free, why do they need rules? Remember we talked about how it must have felt good to be free from Pharaoh and how it must have felt good to be free and Israel is free and it turns out now they find themselves that they have another master. Instead of Pharaoh telling them what they must do, now it is God himself telling them what to do. And friends, this is where the Bible, to be honest, really challenges our modern concept of freedom, doesn't it? For many of us in America, when we think of freedom, we want not only to be free from Pharaoh, we want to be free from anybody telling us what to do at all, right? We want to be free to decide for ourselves. For us, a lot of times we think of freedom as choosing how I want to live. But it turns out in the story of the Bible, freedom is being set free from a master who doesn't know you and doesn't love you and doesn't understand the good purposes for which you were created and being freed to serve a master who does love you. 
who does know you, who knows why he created you, and he knows the good purposes for what you were made. Friends, it turns out that in the Bible, the freest people are the people who do what they were created to do, to love and serve God. Another question for you. Who here likes roasted marshmallows? We got some roasted marshmallows uh, lovers here. I have a marshmallow roaster. Can I show it to you? Is that cool? All right, I'm going to show it to you. This is a really nice one. It's, it's shiny. It's a shiny marshmallow roaster. So this is what it looks like. So what you do is you take the marshmallow and you stick it on here. And so well, first you got to build a fire, of course. You guys know that, right? You're very smart. So once you got the fire going, you put the marshmallow on here, and then you just hold it in the fire. And then once it's golden brown, now some people let it catch fire. That's not the way to do it. It's the absolute wrong way. You need to just hold it over the fire until it's crispy, and then it's perfect. You guys like my roaster? Yeah. Uh, is this a good marshmallow roaster? No. Why not? It's a trumpet. This trumpet was made with a purpose, right? It was made with a purpose. Thank you, Gail. It's a beautiful trumpet. What's the purpose of a trumpet? For playing, it's just made to make beautiful music, right? A trumpet like this just wants someone to come along and, and, and play it, right? Make it sound great. Of course, I'm not Louis Armstrong here. I don't actually play the trumpet, and this was broken, but we're not talking about that. Anyway, a trumpet has a purpose. Now, let's imagine that someone was abusing this trumpet by using it as a marshmallow roaster. And then you came along, and you set it free, and you gave it, tried to give it its purpose back. But then you imagine you asked this trumpet, hey, what do you want to be used as? And imagine the trumpet said something crazy like, you know, I've always wanted to be a shovel. Some, I just want someone to dig, dig the dirt with me, right? What would you do? You would explain to this trumpet, trumpet, you have a good and beautiful purpose. What were you made for? You were made to make beautiful music. Actually, the freest thing that you can't do isn't roasting marshmallows, and it isn't just do, making whatever you up. You actually are free when you're making beautiful music. This, friends, is freedom. And when God says, I am the Lord your God that saved you and set you free, and when he gives you his 10 best ways, he's saying to us, I created you with a purpose. I freed you from the slavery of evil and death. I freed you from the power of Satan. And now you are free to serve me. You are free to live in the world in the way in which you were meant to live. Friends, you're free to make beautiful music by honoring your parents, by telling the truth in the world in which it is often incredibly inconvenient. You are free to be people who give life to others and who don't take life. You're free from all the other gods that, you, uh, that might want you to serve them, but who, in fact, do not make good masters, the gods of money and fertility and war and all the other gods that might want us to put their trust in them. And so the first question we ask is, if God set his people free, why do they need rules? 
And what we're saying, friends, is that God's best ways of living are instructions for living as free people in the world. Don't worry, these get consecutively shorter. Two, (laughs) does following these rules make God love us? No, absolutely not. You can't earn God's love. He already loves you, remember? God gave, gave us these rules after he freed us from slavery. God loved us first. God chose us. When we were powerless to save ourselves, he saved us and showed us how to live in the world as free people. Following the rules doesn't make God love us more. Following the rules does not save us. We're saved by God's free gift. God saved us. Jesus died on the cross to set us free from the power of sin. We live a life of obedience to God in response to his love and salvation. The third and final question. Well, what happens if we don't follow the rules? What happens? Friends, if we're honest, this whole thing about the mountain and the loud sounds and God's rules it can actually be pretty scary, right? In fact, God's people in the story were really afraid. This is what it says in Exodus 20, 18 through 20. And I'm reading from the message. It's a little bit easier to understand. It says, all the people experiencing the thunder and lightning, the trumpet blast, and the smoky mountain were afraid. And so they pulled back and stood at a distance. And they said to Moses, you speak to us, we'll listen. But don't have God to speak to us. (gasps) Are we will die. And then Moses spoke to the people, and this is what he said. He said, don't be afraid. God has come to test you and to instill a deep and reverent awe within you so that you won't sin. God did really want us to have a respect for him. He wants us to have a deep sense of awe so that we don't sin. But what if we do? Well, guess what? We do. We do sin, right? You sin, I sin. We are all sinners who have failed to live according to God's good and beautiful ways. And so what happens when we do? Well, 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins. God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Friends, we should live lives of awe and in love of God, and we should ask God for help to follow his rules. But know this, when we fail to keep his rules, we can confess our sins to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I haven't loved you with my whole heart. I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. And I am sorry and I truly and humbly repent. And then God, who loves us, who died on the cross so that we could be free, he is ready to forgive us and restore us to a relationship with him. Do you know why? Because you belong to him. 
there's a catechism called the Heidelberg Catechism, and it's basically a question and answer of things you should know about the faith. And probably every one of us here should memorize question number one from the Heidelberg Catechism. The question is this, what is your only comfort in life and death? This is the answer, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Friends, you don't belong to Pharaoh. You belong to Christ. He bought you out of slavery and paid the price for your sins with his precious blood. You were free from the tyranny of the devil. May you live as free people, free to live according to his good purposes, free to receive God's grace and forgiveness each and every time you fail. You are not Pharaoh's. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You belong to Christ. Amen.